0: Thank you so much for choosing this podcast from CFTN Payson. We are Church for the Nations in Payson, Arizona. We are a Bible-believing church. I believe God has a word for you today. You can reach us at www.cftnpayson.com or you can give us a call at 928-444-8791. We hope that you're blessed by the message that you've chosen today. God bless. We're taking this from the second series in pastor's series about being a joyful giver, a joyful giver. Yeah, yes. Now, if you haven't noticed, if you haven't noticed, we love to give around here and it's kind of maybe different than what you're used to, but we have a box back there and that box is where you can give your tithe and your offering. And so if you'd like to do that anytime during the message, please feel free to do that because we are joyful givers. Absolutely. We're excited about uh, Jesus changed us. He changed us when, when he saved us. He brought us from a world of taking and entered us into a kingdom of giving. Isn't that exciting? We were takers. Let's see what we could get. We were, we were all thieves. You say, well, I wasn't a thief. Well, we were all thieves because we were all in our relationships, in everything we did, we had agendas. And that agenda was, how can this help me? You know, I love you because you make me feel better. Right? So those, that's, that's the kingdom of taking. But when, you, when you, we got saved, Jesus, he brought us by the greatest gift of all. He brought us into the kingdom of giving. And in order to give, you have to have, right? So really, when you really the concept of giving, it shatters your fears. Because you realize, well, I can't give. Here, here's another message about giving. And I don't have anything. okay then you're off the hook. But the truth is, is that Jesus is the source. And when you're connected to the source, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remember that message he gave us? So when we're connected to the source, then there's a flow, a constant flow from an unending source. So we came into this new kingdom. No longer are we thieves, but we're sons. And in the sonship position, we have this incredible source. There's no way that we could ever outgive God. Just no possible way. But I'm jumping in this morning. I just, uh, I'm just excited about the Word. So, uh, yeah, my name is Tim. If you haven't met me, and I'm so glad that you're here. If you're here at CFTM for the first time, we're super excited about you being here. We're a relatively new church, and we're so excited about what God's doing as He's causing us to grow in Him and grow in numbers. And I just want you to know you're at the right place at the right time. I grabbed a Bible this morning, and it's actually Stephanie's Bible. It's called a Personal Promise Bible. This is really cool because every verse, every page says... But Stephanie is not in the flesh, but in the spirit, because the spirit of God dwells in Stephanie. I just grabbed a verse. But isn't that cool? That's a personal promise Bible. So every verse in it is related specifically to Stephanie. And I just just thought as I grabbed this Bible, I thought this is so cool because... Every one of us should read the Bible that way to where we realize that it's a it's a letter specifically to us. It's not like some old document that, you know, doesn't actually uh, have anything to do with us, but it relates directly to you. The word of God is your word. It's your letter from Jesus, and it has a specific specific meaning and relativity for what you're going through right now today. It's alive. Woohoo! The word of God is alive. The Bible says that it's quick, it's alive, it's sharp, it's ready to go. And so this word that I'm going to share with you today, I believe, is pertinent to where you're at. And maybe, maybe Jesus is going to fine-tune your carburetor and adjust some, some ways that we thought, kind of renew our minds, because that's what happens when we hear the word of God. So get ready for your mind not to be blown. <laughs> I can't preach that good, but I can maybe allow the Holy Spirit to renew it. Wouldn't that be cool? All right, so we're talking about a joyful giver. And the better way of giving is to to enter into this joyful, hilarious, incredibly joyful, excited method of giving that the Bible talks about. Sometimes an overwhelming flood of joy as we enthusiastically deploy God's resources as the Holy Spirit directs. And the reason why we use this whole ridiculously joyful uh, hilarious way of giving is because it's biblical second corinthians 8 2 through 3 talks about how the macedonians went over the top if you're talking about the new living translation they they went over the top crazy in their giving paul tells us that their giving proceeded out of their overflowing joy that's second corinthians 8 2 and 3 Then 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 says that God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, with that word cheerful, if you're looking at it in the original language, it means hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. And I remember we were, uh, in one of the churches we pastored, we were trying to get this, this whole idea of hilarious giving and so Every time that someone would get up to share the offering message, we'd do like a two or three minute uh, message about how biblical it is to give. We would just stand up and the first words we would say, it's offering time. And as soon as we would say that, everybody would start cheering and clapping and whistling. Yeah! You know why? Because that's the kind of giver that God loves. He loves a cheerful giver. Yes, He does. I remember Judy posted a, a video not long ago. And I, if I would have had the technology expertise that Pastor Nevin does, I would have showed it to you. But it was such a cool video. It was uh, some guy maybe in, in Africa, in Kenya, or someplace. I don't know. But when it was offering time, this guy got up, and the video is showing him. He starts doing cartwhe- cartwheels and backflips and, and this cool dance that, you know, white guys can't dance. But anyway... <laughs> You know, he he did this cool dance all the way to the offering basket in the front, and then he dropped his offering in it. So he was a hilarious giver, man. I don't know what he gave, but I know the process of his giving was pretty hilarious. So we should have this party shout, uh, you know, in our hearts at least, when it comes to offering time, to being, just being this cheerful giver. And as you can tell, already I'm talking about a condition of the heart. Because I could talk about percentages, I could talk about what you could give, what you shouldn't give, who you should give to and who you shouldn't give to. But really it's not about that. Really it's about the condition of your heart. Because if you don't feel like giving, if you feel like you're being coerced to give, if someone's pushing you or pressuring you to give, it doesn't matter how hard you try to smile. You're going to just you're going it's gonna squeak as you let go of it. Ah praise the Lord. <laughs> right? And you know, I've seen that sometimes when when maybe the wife is all about giving. My wife is a much more generous giver than I am. And she'll say, Hey Tim, let's give. Let's give this amount. I'm like you know, she's a little more spiritual than I am. I'm thankful for her because Jesus helps me through her. But, you know, sometimes we do. We we don't realize the gift and the joy of giving. And I'm going to share, I'm going to share about this in a moment because I was studying for this. I knew I was going to be preaching for about a week and, and pastor had given me some of these notes. And, and so I was chewing on them and I was thinking about this whole joyful, hilarious giving. And I realized that that, that sounds like an event, that sounds like an event, and I thought there's some kind of giving that's joyful, that's not just an event, it's not just a celebration, it's not a birthday party, but it's a process, and so the Lord began to speak to me about this whole joyful giving thing, and I'm going to show you two kinds of giving, I'm going to show you the the process giving that is so important, because it's based on love, and it is joyful, you may not feel the, the whole party atmosphere and you may not have the, the, you know, the hat on and the little thing, you know, that thing. What is that called? Anyway, the thing that, yeah, okay. You may not have that thing, but you, you're still going to feel this sense that it's birthed out of love and it's birthed out of joy. And then there will be events. There will be times When it's a joyful event that's extraordinary, it's an event that you're giving, and you know you're giving into the kingdom of God, and and you'll see that this is a different kind, but it's still based on the same love and the same joy. So yes, I want to talk to you, and you'll hear me as I'm talking, that I'm basically, first of all, talking about giving into the church. I'm talking about that little box back there. I'm talking about having a discipline of joyful giving. We don't want to reduce giving just down to tithing. But I want to talk to you a little bit about tithing. I want to talk to you about having a discipline in your life of giving. When you came out of the nation or out of the world of taking and into the kingdom of giving, Jesus taught us some kindergarten stuff, some just basic, some principles of giving so that our minds would become renewed. And I'll talk to you about that in a second. Does everyone know what tithing means? Tithing means what percentage? 10% of what? First fruits. Okay, awesome. Basically, he means the first that comes in of everything, right? I've lived in Mexico. We were missionaries in Mexico for three years. And there were times when people would have 10% of what the chicken laid, you know? But the the point is this, is that they learned no longer were they just takers, but they became givers. When I first got there, the pastor or the missionary refused. He did not preach tithing. And you know why he didn't preach tithing? He preached tithing because the people were too poor. How many know that he was robbing them of an incredible blessing? So at first... At first, no one came to church unless they were picked up and brought there by the missionary. No one, there was absolutely... Uh, No blessing and prosperity in their lives. And when the Lord began to have us teach about tithing and about giving, then we realized we saw people begin to flourish and be blessed. And people came. And guess what? God helped them to purchase their own vehicles. They came to church. God blessed them. And those that couldn't afford vehicles, now now Manuel was going by and picking up uh, Jose Solario. And they were coming to church together. Isn't that cool? And... Then they were inviting us over for, for uh, um, what's that stuff? Uh, not carne asada. This was mole. Mole. And, you know, I had to get used to it because once in a while the claws were sticking up from the chicken. You know, I prayed over those bills with fervency. <laughs> but do you get it? They became They became givers. This is what this is about. It's about a change of mind. The Holy Spirit wants to make a switch in our minds. So, number one, we're getting positioned to experience joyful giving. And in order to do that, in order to do that, we have to surrender ourselves. We have to get rid of the whole stealing and thieving ideology, taking ideology. We have to begin to understand That our lives are not our own, that we've been bought with a price, that we're to glorify God. It says it like this in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. It says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regarding one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out of your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, Jesus is trying to get us to have a childlike mentality. And I remember, I, I had the awesome blessing of being raised in church. God didn't save me out of drugs or alcoholism, although those are great testimonies. But Jesus filled me with the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I was eight years old. So in a godly atmosphere, although there was a lot of, a lot of stuff that God had to get out of that church, but in this, in this atmosphere where we had a faith in God, my parents taught me, hey, when grandma gives you ten bucks for Christmas... A dollar goes to Jesus. And you know what that cultivated in me at a very early age? That cultivated in me that I was part of something bigger. I was part of something important. I was part of the kingdom of God. That that what Jesus gave to me, I could give back to Him a portion. And there could be this divine flow in my life. It's pretty cool. So this is talking about being being humble in our minds and not selfish. Now, I just want to tell you a little bit as I'm talking about this whole mentality of joyful giving but on a regular, a regular way, joyful giving, joyful but disciplined. And I want to tell you about when, my, when I became a father, okay? Let me tell you about the first nine months of our first pregnancy. Okay, Stephanie was born to be a mom. She was born to be a mom. I wasn't necessarily born to be a dad. I, if, I, if I was, I didn't know it. Stephanie's so full of love. I mean, if it was up to her, we'd have five stray cats. And maybe, you know, who knows how many dogs and birds all over the place. Because she just wants to bring everybody home, you know. She was born that way. Me, I you know, I hate cats. I'm sorry. But, you know, come on. Don't get me started, Brother Paul. But in the garden, everything was perfect. And at the fall, sin came. And then, meow. <laughs> Woo! Okay, I digress. I digress. Anyway, anyway, she has this heart. And when we got married, I said, okay, um, we were 19. I said, In five years, we're going to have a baby. Five years. How's that sound, baby? We're going to have kids. And she said, I want kids now. I said, okay, five years. And then about, you know, a year into our marriage, it was like, if you don't want kids, you're going to have to do something about it. (laughs) anyway, so at two and a half years, maybe a little less than two years, we found out we were going to have a baby. And so first, you know, those nine months, she's excited. I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to have a baby. This is before Facebook, but if Facebook would have been in place, my goodness, the internet, you know. Baby bump, baby bigger bump, baby, you know. Okay, me? Yeah, we're having a baby. (sighs) Going down the supermarket. Diapers cost that much? What? Look at these pretty cloth diapers, baby. Look at these. They wash, you can wash them. Okay, the point is this, is that I wanted Stephanie all to myself. I really did. You know, I was selfish about my time with her. And financially, I just didn't. Why? You know, they eat. They poop. They grow up. You got to send them to (sighs) school. I'm going to be a dad. Until... That day, I, I tell you the truth, it was almost like a spiritual experience. The day we're at Yuma Regional Medical Center, and the contractions are coming faster, and and we're waiting with anticipation. And then all of a sudden Ryan Ryan is born into this world and they hand him to me. When they handed that little boy to me, I was changed. I was not the same person my heart was knit immediately to this child. Now it didn't matter how much the diapers cost. Now it didn't matter how much the baby food was. Now it didn't matter if he needed any special education. Now it didn't matter anything that that child needed. I'm in. I'm in 100%. This is me. This is my child. I was it felt strange. Because my heart was no longer inside my body. It dwelt in a separate entity. Scared me. But I was all about giving. Now, this is what I'm talking about when I'm talking about surrendering ourselves and giving of ourselves, because parenting is a lifetime of giving. You don't always get excited when you're going out, it's not a joyful event. I feel hilarious, I'm going to buy some diapers right? But you do it and you do it out of love and you have joy in providing. This is the way I feel about the church. I told Steph the other day, I said, I I don't know if it was coming or going, but I told her, I feel so good to be a part of this tribe. CFTN just, it reflects everything about me. It It's, or or I reflect everything about it. I don't know, but I love the focus we have on the presence of God. I just love that. Not every church does that. We have, you know, there's sound bites here and sound bites there. That's fine for them. But for us, we're like, okay, oh, there's a God moment. Let's stop. Woo! Yeah! And we're about the community. We're about being, you know, hey, how can we help you? Instead of, it's all about us. No, no. I love that about us. And I told Steph, I said, I love this church. And so this church, when, I, when it comes time to tithing, man, I'm hitting my Venmo button. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to send that out. It's not begrudging. It's not like, oh, I've got to give my 10% again. No, that's, that's, that's just the diapers. That's just, that's just the disciplined joy of being a part of this relationship that I have with this church. Are you catching me? I know those people in church that are the fun dads. You know, you see people in divorces and there's the fun dad. He's the guy that goes out and buys these super expensive gifts and the kid gets to have all kinds of fun or maybe they take him to Disneyland. Woo! But he doesn't help buy the tennis shoes and take him to soccer and He's just the fun dad. He's not really that that one that brings the security. And then there's the deadbeat dad. who—who He's a dad, but he doesn't give anything at all. He doesn't contribute at all. I'm talking about us. Are you catching me? Are we flowing? You You know, are we tracking together? I'm talking about us. And there's folks that have that kind of relationship with God. They're not joyful givers. They're begrudging still. They don't get it. They don't get it that this child is a joy. This relationship we have with the church and the kingdom of God is a joy. It's not a, I got to, or I, I must, or I'm pressured to, or it's one of the Ten Commandments. No. It's, wow, I will enter His courts with things in my heart. I'll enter His courts with praise. I get to be a part of something that's bigger than me. I'm not a taker anymore. I'm a giver. My heart's been changed, and Jesus is my provider. Okay. So, we surrender our stuff, number two. We surrender our stuff. I love this by Rick Warren. I read this a long, long time ago. And it kind of talks about, it kind of shares where we're at when it comes when it comes to, to giving. It's called the French fry story. At least that's what I call it, okay? The French fry story. So, Rick Warren tells this story about... And I'll just read it. He says, I heard a story about a man who took his son to McDonald's and brought him supersized French fries on the way home. Those fries smelled so good. So he reached over and he took one little French fry out of his son's carton and he ate it. His son got all upset and said, dad, you can't have my French fries. These are my fries. The dad immediately had three thoughts. First, my child has forgotten that I am the source of all fries. I took him to McDonald's. I made the order. I paid for the order. I handed them to him, and I'm driving him back home. The only reason he got any fries was because of me, the great fry giver. (laughs) Second, my child doesn't realize I could take the fries away in a second if I wanted to. Or on the other hand, I could buy him an entire truckload of fries if I wanted to because I have the power to do either. Third, I didn't need his fries. I could have easily bought my own. I could buy myself a hundred cartons of them if I wanted. I just wanted him to learn to be unselfish. You catch it? All the fries we have came from Jesus. I heard just recently about a man who who said that he came into this country with $3 in his pocket. $3 in his pocket. God's blessed him and flourished him, and it's amazing. But check it out. If we realize we came into this world with nothing, right? In fact, isn't there a whole kind of sub-movement of of people who call themselves minimalists? You ever heard of them, guys? They decide that stuff kind of weighs them down. So they're trying to reduce, you know, the tiny house, the tiny everything, you know, I guess that's okay, but the truth is, it's not really the stuff that weighs us down. It's that the stuff possesses us instead of us possessing it. So the Lord's not just telling you, hey, you've got to get rid of everything. But he's telling you to realize that he's the source. And so instead of us holding on and clenching in case we're, we're going to lose something from God, no. He wants you to surrender your stuff so that he can bless you with more and then you can bless others with more. See how it works? That's the way it works. Job fourteen forty one eleven says, Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. So he's saying to us that he has everything. He owns the whole world. And so it's part of discipleship. Luke 14.33, Luke I don't think I have this verse down there, but it says, None of you can be my disciples who does not give up all his own possessions. So we realize that Hey, the French fries come from Jesus. So it's all right. It's all right to surrender what we have. The final thing we're surrendering is our security. And instead of security, I wrote down independence. Because (laughs) really, when you let go of your security to Jesus, you're the most secure person in the whole planet. So that's why I don't think we're really releasing our security. When you say, God, I, I, I release my security to you, then you're the most secure person. So I, I, I want to ch- say that instead, we're going to release our independence. It's mine. Remember the seagull and seagulls in Finding Nemo? Remember those guys? Mine, 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 mine. Remember that? Uh, maybe you don't. Anyway, <laughs> that's the way we are sometimes. Is we, we 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 don't want to be dependent on God. So when we have something, we're holding on to it. What we're really holding on to is our in, our independence. Have you ever had this thought before? I need to be careful about how much I give away because I don't want to end up not having enough for myself. Hmm. Randy Alcorn. If you ever read his books, awesome about heaven. But he writes this. He writes this. He says ironically, giving isn't a cause for insecurity, but a cure for it. It's a cure for it. Isn't that, isn't that cool? So we realize we're giving, we're giving up our independence so that we can be dependent on God. Speaking of giving, and I'm going to be completely transparent with you, I remember we were in North Carolina. The doors, the time of our church planting there had come to a close. And we had become... We It, it was so cool because we got to be... Uh, visit great churches, prophetic churches, churches that, uh, you know, that you've heard of, uh, Rick Joyner's church, and different churches that we got to be a part of, or just visit. But where God kind of put us for that season of six months that we were there after our church t- uh, plant had closed was uh, Elevation and, and Stephen Furtick's. And this is one of the fastest growing churches in America, huge, huge I mean, they have eight campuses in one city. And those campuses have two services a day or maybe three. So the church is incredible. And now I want you to catch something. Our church, had, our, so some of my financial source had quit. And we were praying about new, new sources of income, new ways to provide for our family. So, so there wasn't an abundance of money in our pocket. And we're going to this huge church, this huge church that if I go, if I don't show up next Sunday, no one's going to miss me. You see what I'm saying? It's just, we go in, it's dark. When they pass the bucket, it's dark. So no one, you know, it's not about who can see me. I mean, it's, so for the first time, it's a strange thing for the first time. I didn't have this relationship with the church. Remember, I've pastored for years, so I don't have this first this, this relationship of this is mine or ownership. It, it, was a weird, it was a weird situation. For the first time in my life ever, I was tempted not to tithe. I, strange. And then, then the Lord began, began to speak to me about that tithing wasn't about The church or the need of the church. Tithing was about who I am. I am no longer a taker. I'm a giver. I'm no longer a thief. But I'm a son. And the Lord began to remind me about the whole relationship. Go ahead and see. I dare you. Give and see if I won't open the windows of heaven. And pour out a blessing that you cannot contain. Remember the Lord was reminding me, have you ever had the Holy Spirit preach to you? <laughs> the Holy Spirit's an awesome preacher. He was preaching to me. And so the next Sunday, I remember, I was joyful. I was joyful as I set up that, that internet account to where I could give immediately. It wasn't Venmo, but it was another one. Boom, push that button with joy. Why? Why? Because I realized that I am not independent from the church. I am not separate from the kingdom of God. I am part of what God is doing today in the land and I love that. So, we're almost done. I just want to I just want to take us to the last point. The last point is is getting proactive or how to experience joyful giving. How to experience joyful giving. Now I told you about the diapers. I told you about loving to see my son and my two daughters And then even later on, we took two foster daughters into our life. And, um, uh, you know, (laughs) just being honest, I thought that there would be some state help with those two foster daughters, but that seems to never come. Anyway, uh, but so here we are. We're now just giving, and the more we give in our lives, what happens? God just seems to provide, doesn't he? doesn't he? I mean, we had two mouths to feed and then we had five and then we had seven and the Lord just provides and he's amazing. But that's that joyful giving that comes every, every day, every Tuesday when you go get groceries. Oh yeah, this is, they, they need this and they need this. Let's fill this basket up. They need this. Do you understand that I'm, ex- that I'm making a correlation between what we do every Sunday in that box? That is our, that is our dutiful love but we do it out of joy. So if you have not become a tither, you the Lord wants to release in you the joy of giving. He wants to teach you the kindergarten steps of what it means to no longer be a taker, but to, to be a giver. So I just pray that if you're here today and you've not had the guts to start giving 10%, I'm just released to you a new level of faith that you're going to go home and talk to your husband or or husbands you're going to go home and talk to your wives or or maybe you're going to go home together that's kind of cool and you could talk to each other and you could say listen I really feel the Holy Spirit's moving on my life to take this kindergarten step of giving 10% because I know it's a discipline of giving I'm leaving the place of taking and I'm stepping into the place of giving Don't you think our nation has a little problem with this? some entitlement, it's all about me, give me, give me, sign me up for more and more and more and vote for someone who will give me more. That's a problem. That's the wrong nation. We're living in the nation of opportunity to where we give, we, we pay our taxes gladly because we are in the greatest nation of the world and we're in a place where we can invest and see it multiply. And yes, we've all lost some money, but guess what? Every one of us are blessed. If you're blessed, come on, put your hands together. <laughs> Woo! Yeah! So the second part is about juicing up your giving and I'm almost done. But then there's times when my son and my daughters, they begin to grow up and they, their needs were bigger. And so it wasn't about just that, that monthly or that weekly giving, but it was about sometimes joyfully blessing them with something that was far bigger. Or maybe it was not just about joyful, it was about a broken arm that cost four hundred and seventy five dollars. Right? That was back back then. <laughs> yeah. So so you understand that there's times when our giving becomes extraordinary. It's not just the just the regular giving, but it becomes it becomes something far bigger. So during this time we, we give intentionally. We start praying, God, show me how to give. And God could show you how to become connected with something even bigger than our church. It's through this intentional giving that God allowed us to become a part of missions clear across the world to eventually not only did we give to Myanmar, to Burma, but we absolutely went ourselves and saw a Bible school. Because of our church, a Bible school established among 300 orphans who used to be Buddhist outcasts. Now they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they're growing up and being sent throughout the whole nation of Burma. You know how? Because of intentional giving. I got to be a part. We, we got to be a part of something so much bigger. We gave to the Philippines like y'all got to go. We gave to the Philippines and eventually we got to go there. And we got to become a part of a movement that is now sweeping across the Philippines. It's so exciting that, that I can say I invested in that. I was intentional about that. So it's because of these little, these, these, this giving thing, this whole concept of linking myself to something bigger, of giving intentionally, that we've got to become a part of things all over the world—from feeding ten thousand people in South Africa to uh, to seeing movements in Colombia. Just I mean, even even to giving to the crisis pregnancy center in town. You see, it's <laughs> it's a rush. Are you catching me? I mean, it's it's addicting. It's... it's Help me with some adjectives. Exhilarating. No wonder we call it joyful giving, hilarious giving, because, whoa, it used to be me counting this. I've got to hold on to this. What? You want another thirst buster? She always wanted to diet Pepsi back when we were we were dating and going... And, you know, sometimes... I was a little tight. Isn't that terrible? God, thank you for Stephanie, Lord. She's helped me. So secondly, we give passionately. We give passionately, not just intentionally, but we give passionately. What lights your fire come on? What turns up the whole joy of living for you? What what do you like to give to? Find it and do it. Find it and do it. If it's if it's given to orphanage, if it's compassion giving, awesome! I love compassion. I love them both. I love compassionate giving—putting shoes on someone's feet, feeding them, clothing, clothing them. I love that. But I also love purpose giving. Seeing, seeing leaders brought up and seeing people develop so that their, the lives of those around them can be changed. I love them both. Give passionately. So, for maximum joy in giving, put your money where your heart is. That's Matthew 6.21, because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And finally, give confidently. Give confidently. God is very efficient. I know some would teach you, and there's even some hint in this notes. Some would teach you that, that confidence comes from knowing that every dime and every cent is being used for the right reasons. But I feel like my confidence isn't in how someone's going to spend the money that I give them. My confidence comes from Jesus because I know that even if some money that I have ever given to missions or even here has ever been misspent, it doesn't matter because God, I am so confident in this that he gives back, press down. How much can God press? The Bible says give and he'll give back to you. How? How? Come on, help me preach. Come on, if you know this verse, if you don't, it just says, press down. So everybody, one, two, three. Press down. The next one is. Whoa! Come on, shake it, baby. <laughs> if you don't know the verse, the next part says, shaking together. So one, two, three. And. Come on. King James says, running over. Come on, one, two, three. Okay, y'all get it? I am confident in this one thing, that he is able to keep that which I've committed. I am confident. I have this holy boldness that every time I give into that little box over there or I send it on Venmo, that God's going to bless this church, but he's going to bless me. I'm confident. I'm confident. I want you to stand with me because I want to tell you as I close that I'm confident also I'm confident also, just as sure as every word in this, in this Bible is printed with Stephanie's name in it. I'm confident that God is aware of where you're at right now. Some of you are here sitting here with plenty. You practice tithing for years as a part of your discipline and you also know about intentional giving. You know about those times when you give way beyond your tithe. And you do it joyfully. But really, you do it out of the abundance that God's given you, right? But some of you are here today, and you, you never practice tithing, and you're barely getting by. Maybe you're a single mom, and you're hearing about this, and, and it's hard for it to resonate. But I'm here to tell you that God knows exactly where you're at right now. And he's not trying to get something out of you. Jesus is not manipulating you today. He's trying to get something to you. He loves you and he he just wants to knock on your door and tell you, I'm your source. Everything you need comes from me. So as I'm speaking to you, I got to tell you, I, I just, I have to tell you that not only did God did God practice fatherhood over the whole globe, over the whole race of humanity? Not only has He promised, He has promised to you that you will never be forsaken or your seed will ever beg for bread. Not only has your good Father said that if I care for the sparrow, how much more will I care for you and provide for you I promise you this, that your Father, your Creator Father is here to take care of you. He's here to make sure that you, you have food, that you have, you have some protection over your head. Your Father loves you, and He's here to provide for you. But there came a time when He went way, way beyond And I know we're talking about hilarious giving, and what I'm about to tell you, you know what's coming. It's not hilarious or funny or cheerful. However, you have to catch this. Hebrews tells us that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. What are we talking about? How could there be joy correlating with the most? Passionate, the most painful. In fact, the word comes from crucifix, excruciating pain. I'm telling you, the reason Jesus said the joy set before him is because he saw you, my friend. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not worthy. I'm a broken individual. No, he, he, he saw you as his son or his daughter. And he says, I, I want to be in relationship with them. I want to be close to them and them with me. I, I want there to be a restoration to what was once in the garden with Adam and Eve. I can't wait to have that relationship with you. There was this huge gulf called sin this huge separation because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Romans 5 says that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So when we were separate, unworthy, in a condition of rebellion against God, I see I see a place called Golgotha. I see a place called Calvary. And I see, I see on both sides crosses that represent our condition. One was a thief, a taker. Both of them in the realm of thieves. One full of his rebellion, mocked and laughed. But the other one, the other one amazed by what he saw as he saw the one next to him in the middle of these three crosses, as he saw, he he heard his voice, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Something about this man in the middle drew him. Something about this man in the middle who was bleeding from this crown of thorns. The other two did not have this thorns. The other two did not have, they, they did not have this animosity around them. They, simply were there for what they deserved. But here here he saw that this man here was without sin and blameless and perfect. And he said, Jesus, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? I got to tell you, the greatest gift, the greatest gift that could ever be is this picture on the cross, this doorway, this this passage from death into life. And that's what we see in Jesus. And I want to tell you today that as, as you're picturing this in your heart and your mind, I want you to close your eyes because I'm, going to ask, I'm about to ask a question. I want to ask you something. If you're here today and you're outside the door, you have never, never asked Jesus into your heart, but you see and you sense right now through the preaching of the word that God is inviting you into his kingdom, his kingdom come, his will be done now in your life. If you're ready for that change, if you would like to have Jesus in your life, I just want you to slip your hand up real quickly. No one's looking around. This is your time. This is your prayer closet between you and God. Lift your hand. Okay. Thank you so much for your honesty before God. I want to ask one more question before we proceed. Maybe you're here today and you have been in the presence of the Lord. You remember what it was like. Maybe like me, when you were a child, you felt God's presence, but there's been so much water under the bridge and you feel so away from God. But the Lord is calling you. The Lord is calling you today to come home and come back into his presence. The door of the cross is calling you. If that's you and you're ready to come back, you want some restoration in your life, raise your hand quick. There's been so much honesty in the house and I'm so, so impressed. <laughs> I know we're at a serious moment, but I, I just sense joy, like this crazy, amazing joy in the heart of the Father. I just sense right now, like uh, this, uh, this, uh, this expectation in the kingdom of God because kids of the kingdom are coming home. People that were hurting before are receiving something from Jesus right now. So now every one of you can open your eyes, but I do want you to put your hands in front of you. I told you today that Jesus is not trying to take something from you. When we teach about giving, he's not trying to take something from you. He's trying to get something through you. (laughs) I love it so you're ready to get something in your heart and in your hand first of all we're going to pray this prayer of surrender together ready Lord Jesus thank you for your gift on the cross thank you for your love for me I love you too and I want to follow you so I surrender myself to you all that I am and I ask For all that you are. To come into my life. And into my heart. I am yours. And you are mine. And with your hands out. I just. I'm going to declare some declarations of your life. I decree and declare. That the source of heaven. Is beginning to fill. Every single. Person's needs and not only their needs, but above and beyond their needs, so that out of the abundance and out of the fullness of the blessings of God, they can become givers, givers into the kingdom of God, givers into the church, and therefore into the kingdom of God, givers into those people's lives who are around them. I decree and declare blessing in every way. I decree and declare a richness and a wealth of mind, a wealth of thought, a new thought, that I am chosen, I am blessed, and I am rich and wealthy. I, I break right now the spirit of poverty, and I decree and declare that we are free, and we are whole, and we are complete in Him. Amen. Thank you so much for choosing this podcast from CFTN Payson. We are Church for the Nations in Payson, Arizona. We are a Bible believing church and believe God has a word for you today. You can reach us at www.cftnpayson.com or you can give us a call at 928 444 8791. God bless. you.